0: Uh, Praise God. Uh, Good afternoon, everyone. My name is John Michael Becker, and uh, I'm the healing and deliverance coordinator of New Philadelphia Church, and uh, I also pastor at the Itaewon campus. I'm one of the lay pastors there. The title of today's message, if you're taking notes, which I encourage you to do, is called The Generational Blessing. The Generational Blessing. We got that up there? All right, that's interesting. All right, before I get started, let me take a moment uh, and just say a quick prayer. God, I thank you, Lord, for Meansuk's prayer, and I thank you, Lord, that it just flowed in your spirit, God. And God, we just say amen to her prayer, and we just pray, Lord, right now, God, an opening of every heart in this place, God. God, you have such amazing blessings in store for every person here, and there are so many blessings already inside them that they have inherited, God. And I just declare a loosing of these blessings today. I declare a greater awareness of our identity in you, and Lord God, who we are in you, and I declare us moving out in greater favor, Lord God, in greater power, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, and we bless this time. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The generational blessing. I've been excited to uh, share this word with you guys today. So uh, I've led Healing and Deliverance Ministry at this church for a while. And uh, as I've led it, I've really been, been surprised at some of the background stories of different people. Uh, it never ceases to amaze me. We've, we've actually had multiple people come through this church who were double orphans. Okay, that means that their original parents died or abandoned them. And then their adoptive parents or step-parents also died uh, or abandoned them. I mean, that's intense. And we've had multiple in this house. And uh, that's just, you know, one of the stories. There's plenty others in this house. And as I served here, I have started to wonder if New Philadelphia Church just attracts really desperate people. And uh, I, think, I think there is some truth in that um, because there's anointing here to be set free. There's anointing to walk in healing. But as I've... Uh, talked with other churches, and as I've, I've researched some, I've realized that um, this is very true at almost every church. Um, some churches, it's, you can see it. The people are receiving the healing deliverance, and their testimonies are coming out. Um, other churches, it's silent, but they carry the same trauma and the same hurt. So generational. Uh, if you guys think back, two or three generations before, what happened to those generations, our grandparents and great-grandparents? It was World War I, World War II, and for many of you Koreans here, Your parents were under, your great-grandparents and grandparents were under the Japanese occupation. So think of what happened through those generations, the trauma and the hurt, the anguish that they went through. Now think about our parents' generation. That's known more as the hippie generation. Okay, a lot of sex, drugs, rock and roll, uh, maybe for parents like mine. Uh, Parents like yours as well. Maybe it was working, uh, crazy hours, materialism starting to creep in, uh, things like that. That's what our past generations went through, and we are the fruit of those three generations and generations before that. So think about that. Think about how, you know, you would expect us to turn out. Great-grandparents, World War I, Japanese occupation, grandparents, uh, Japanese occupation, World War II, the Korean War, okay? And then our own parents getting out of, of the war, uh, having to work like crazy, Uh, get jobs, and then starting to be overcome by money. And for those in America, maybe it was drugs, sex, uh, the hippie generation. You wouldn't expect us to turn out that well, right? And I think that can explain why there's so much trauma in our church today, Uh, why there's so many hurts, why there's such a need for healing deliverance ministry. We also live in, in a country that has one of the worst abortion rates, if not the worst abortion rates in the world, and also one of the worst, if not the worst, suicide rates. In the world. Just think about that. North Korea as well, what they're going through, the starvation, execution of many people. This is the state of our nation. This is what's going on around us. And so I came to Korea at the end of 2005 to serve in a children's home. And God had given me a vision to serve in South Korea for a number of years, to be built up, and to eventually go into North Korea and to build orphanages there and to gather the children. That was the vision that God gave me back in 2005. And since then, he's only affirmed it more and more. And I know he's calling some of you to join me as well. Uh, but through that, I, I felt you know, that, that because of the life that I was living, um, that I'd probably be better if I just didn't marry. Um, because, hey, it's going to be very risky, very dangerous. I'm going to go into North Korea and do these things. And if I am going to marry, I definitely don't want to have children. That's the way I felt. Because, hey, if I'm going to be taking care of tens of thousands of orphans, I don't want my heart divided. Okay? There's so many hurting children out there. How could I be selfish to have my own? That was my mindset. Okay? And in that, I thought it was admirable. I thought it was good. You know, hey, we've got to take care of these orphans. We've got to take care of these children. Somebody has to do it, someone needs to make those sacrifices. But God kind of blew up that mindset. Uh, so I, I went to a conference in 2009 that really just changed my life I know it changed Pastor G as well and, and the others that were with us. It was it was crazy uh, It was a very small secluded conference for North Korea and at it It was just speakers who spoke in Korean who were Korean or were North Korean refugees and they spoke all day I mean you talk about intense retreat. It was I think like seven in the morning till like midnight just sermons and uh, the small group time was, was breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And here I am in small groups where they can only speak Korean. My leader has like taegu saturi, and I can't understand a word he's saying. It was, it was intense. Uh, but God still spoke to me so clearly at that conference. And there was one evangelist that came. He was the only English speaker, and he only spoke twice. But this guy was filled with charisma, and uh, he had authority. And I mean, he was shouting his message with joy and just going around. The translator was really struggling because he was so excited. And uh, he spoke a lot about identity in Christ and the authority we have as believers. Uh, and it was refreshing. But then at one point, he caught me off guard. And uh, it just in his exuberance, he was like, all right, church, all right, everyone here, how many children are you going to have? How many children? Church, you got to have at least four children. At least four. Because we got to multiply. we got to grow. If we're not having four, we're not multiplying. That was my charisma uh, right there. Um, but at least my attempt at it. But that's, that's what he said, and it caught me off guard. He said, if you're not having four children, then you're not releasing the blessing of God, and we're losing. We're not multiplying. We're actually shrinking. And uh, it it cuts a heart, and he said, you need to raise your children in the blessing of God, and you need to raise them in faith. And he continued to share stories about like his little four-year-old girl that would have crazy angelic visitations, uh, baptized in the Spirit, and uh, even baptized her younger daughter without them knowing it, um, because she was still filled with the Spirit. And uh, it was was encouraging, needless to say, and uh, it shook me. And so I had a lot of time to think at that retreat as all the other speakers spoke in Korean, and I was kind of tired. And so I just reflected on, on different things, and God led me during that retreat to memorize Isaiah 61. And he began to speak into me specific prophetic messages for my life personally and for Korea uh, through Isaiah 61. And I'm going to share one of those promises with you guys today, and this applies to us as well. So I want us to look at Isaiah 61 again. I'm going to read just verses 8 and 9. I believe you guys are really familiar with the first few verses, but these later verses tend to escape us, and it shouldn't. Verses 8 and 9, it says this. I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring shall be known among the nations, and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. Guys, these verses speak very specifically about a generational blessing. A generational blessing that is released through godly marriages, that is released through godly people. It's an expectation that their offspring will have a covenant with God and that nations will acknowledge them. That they will be so blessed that other nations will look at them and be like, man, something, there's something about these people. And so God began to open my mind. So for so long, I've been focusing on generational curses. I've been focused on the healing deliverance, you know, trying to take out of the take out the junk, fill them with the spirit. But God was revealing that there are so many treasures within each and every one of us. And there are even greater treasures when we have children. Yeah, the evangelist mentioned how so many in sin are busy producing offspring while the Christian church is only producing one or two kids each. And so we see the church dwindling uh, while sin just lust, pornography, murder, rebellion, all these things are just overtaking our school system. They're overtaking this young generation. So I was, I was a bit overwhelmed uh, by the message, and uh, I was reflecting on it all. And one thing that God caused me to reflect on was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You guys are familiar that God loves to just, uh, when, when he reveals himself in the Scripture, to identify himself as, I am the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. God loves to refer to himself in that way. And if you study them, God spoke to Abraham and said, you will be blessed. And so what did Abraham do? Abraham walked in faith, and he was blessed. God spoke to him a number of times to encourage him, to reassure him, but Abraham kept that faith, and we saw that he was mightily blessed, not just materially, but also with family, and also with just mighty generations after him. And you look at his son Isaac, God only appeared to him, I believe, once in Scripture. But he gave him that same reassurement, that same blessing. And what did Isaac do? He walked in faith, and he inherited the blessings. Not much is known about Isaac's life. There's not all these big difficulties that he apparently went through. Yet he's still lifted, listed in the walk of faith. Why? Because he believed that he was blessed. He walked in faith, and he was blessed. Isaac then had Jacob and Esau. And what's interesting about Jacob and Esau is that neither of them really believed they were blessed. Uh, Esau rejected his birthright. He treated treated his inheritance with contempt. You guys remember he sold his birthright for just some lentil soup. Jacob, on the other hand, didn't believe he was blessed and began deceiving. And even just uh, strived, strove, and deceived his father to get the blessing. And where did Jacob end up? Jacob ended up with a pillow for his rock alone in the desert. That was what he got for striving for the blessing. And it was at that time that God the Father appeared to him as he had appeared to Isaac and Abraham, told him that you will be blessed, that the same blessings I have for Abraham and Isaac, I have for you. And it was at that time that Jacob began to have a heart shift. He still strove for his uncle's blessing, but as he was with his uncle, he began to grow faith. Faith that God was with him, faith that he was blessed. And as he grew that faith... He, in turn, was greatly blessed. He was blessed far beyond his uncle, far beyond all the other workers and other relatives. Uh, he He was greatly blessed. He had 12 boys who were blessed by the Lord. And like I said, i focused on generational curses before. You guys know that Abraham lied. He lied about his wife twice in the Bible. He deceived about his wife. Isaac did the same thing. We read that Isaac did the same exact sin. He also lied about his wife. Jacob... His name means deceiver, and his life was just filled with lying. You could say that he got pff, the, the result of that generational blessing, a generational curse. He was walking in that. And that was what I always remembered of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But I know that God doesn't refer to himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because he's the God of generational curses. That's not true at all. It's because he's the God of blessings, especially through family, especially through family. And now I want you guys to open your Bibles to Malachi chapter 2. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament before Matthew. Malachi chapter 2, verse 15. Malachi 2, verse 15. This is a passage about marriage and about how God hates divorce. Malachi tells us that God made husband and wife one. And what is one of the main purposes of a husband and wife becoming one? Let's look at it. Malachi 2.15. Hallelujah. Did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. God desires godly offspring. One of the main purposes of marriage, church, is to produce children who are blessed. And that's what should be expected when a godly man and a godly woman comes together. So I'm studying this stuff at the retreat, and guys, I mean, this was 2009. It was like two and a half years earlier, and uh, I still wasn't fully convinced. I needed more faith. And I had seen different youth that were just super anointed. Uh, I remember visiting IHOP Kansas City, and some of the children of some of the key leaders there were just, man. I mean, it was like a little eight-year-old boy getting up and leading prayer in front of 10,000 people, and everyone's crying. Everyone was getting rocked. And so I had seen this among some. But I wasn't sure if it was something that was for real for every single child of a godly marriage. And so one couple came to mind that I was really curious about. Uh, A very godly couple, uh, two of my role models in life, or two of the people that I I really follow their example, and they're Roland and Heidi Baker. Uh, Some of you guys might know them. Roland and Heidi Baker have a ministry in Mozambique. It's an orphanage ministry, Iris Ministries, and they also plant tons of churches all across that land. Uh, This is a couple that has seen the the blind see, the deaf hear, the cripple walk, and the dead raise on a regular basis. And I knew that they had two children. So I was curious about those kids. How do those kids turn out? Because usually with missionary kids, you know, it can be a little rocky. Um, But uh, I bless the missionary kids in the house. Um, So, you know, I was just curious. How did they turn out as their parents were taking care of all, you know, the nation of Mozambique and also trying to raise them? And what was interesting was last year, um, I met a friend who actually served in Mozambique. And he shared a story with me. And he said that while he was in Mozambique one night, uh, he had dinner with a bunch of friends. And Heidi Baker's son was with them. And as they're eating at the restaurant, Heidi Baker's son was just busy sketching something. He's sketching and sketching, and they're all talking. And at the end of the meal... Uh, A son asked a visitor from america who had just came come to mozambique trying to find his calling in life And he said hey does this person uh, Remind you of anyone does this speak to you and he showed it to him And it was a perfect sketch of his ex-girlfriend That he had just broken up with before leaving mozambique in a state of confusion trying to figure out the calling on his life And it was in mozambique that god was speaking to him saying that he needed to return to america and marry this woman and uh, that sketch was one of the biggest confirmations he could he could ever ask for. It was a perfect sketch of his ex-girlfriend, who Heidi Baker's son obviously had never met. Pretty cool, right? <laughs> Come on now, who wants to who wants to meet Heidi Baker's son now? You guys all want to meet Heidi and Roland Baker. What about their children? So, is it just coincidence that Heidi and Roland Baker's son has this really creative spiritual gift? Is it just coincidence? Or does their son have an extra layer of grace and favor as a result of his parents' obedience? I don't know. Let me share another example. In the late 1800s, Yale University did a study on two generational lines. They did a study on one man named Max Jukes. Uh, Both men were born in the early 1700s. Max Jukes was known as a lawless man, not a lawless man, a godless man. He was labeled as an atheist. He kind of did his own thing. And he married a woman who was also an atheist. They studied his line and then they studied the line of Jonathan Edwards, uh, who was a mighty man of God. You guys might be familiar with him. He was involved in the Great Awakening in America in the mid-1700s. So they studied both generational lines. And while the numbers of Max Jukes' descendants, the exact numbers, are are a bit disputed, it is uh, clear, it's well known, that his family line produced many thieves, drunkards, prostitutes, and even murderers. Um, there was a ton of them, okay? And this was just in the 1700s and 1800s alone. But listen to the numbers for Jonathan Edwards. And these were from a report finished in 1900. It says, More than 100 lawyers, 30 judges, 13 college presidents, over 100 more professors, 60 physicians, 100 ministers, missionaries, theological professors, 80 men elected to public office, including three mayors, three governors, several members of Congress, three senators, a vice president, 60 became authors with 135 books of merit, 75 army or navy officers, and some other descendants with other prestigious jobs. Generational blessing much? Okay. Jonathan Edwards, uh, it should be noted, was married to a very godly woman. And Jonathan Edwards was so inspired by his wife that he actually stood for gender equality in the 1700s. So you guys know women didn't get the right to vote until the 1900s. He was standing up for them in the 1700s because he recognized the power of his wife. He recognized God in her and how she blessed him. So you see the line that was created from a a God, uh, a a believer, sorry, I just, uh, uh, a man who believes in God and a woman who believes in God. You see that line of generational blessings through both of them. And so God began to convict me. He began to speak to me that, okay, you need to be ready. It would actually be a sin for you to not have kids because your kids are going to do far greater than you've ever done. That's what God convicted me with. And um, the interesting thing is is that he convicted Sky with that as well separately. Um, And then we we talked about it, and and we realized, yeah, we're going to have, we're aiming for at least four kids. Hallelujah. (laughs) I can say that. We talked about it. We're, we're, we're good. So what about you guys? I want to tell you guys uh, that you guys possess many generational blessings through your family. And uh, as a result of your grandparents and your parents, there are specific blessings that you carry. And for me, I know that one of them that's very specific in my life is just its favor with money. Uh, as a result of my dad and my mom and their integrity with money, and their example in tithing, even when they were living on their own at, at 18 and 19 years old, having to work through college, they were always faithful in tithing and giving offerings, even when it required faith, even when they were giving up some of their savings. They were so faithful, and they demonstrated that life to me. And as a result, I've lived off of support for five and a half years. And there was only one time where I sent support letters, and that was at the end of 2006. I received no responses to the support letters. But God said, You just pray. And I'll provide. And God's provided since then. And you guys see, I'm, I'm not in shambles. I'm not, you know, living the typical missionary life where, you know, you, you need to be with the cockroaches or whatever. I guys, I have a car. You know, I have an apartment. I'm well taken care of. Uh, God has really blessed me. And I really attribute my parents for that. And so I know that for you guys as well, there are these blessings. For my dad, he is the first to be proud and excited for the anointing flowing through my life. My dad has been a father to so many fatherless in his life. He's been a Sunday school teacher for high school youth for, I believe, 30 years now. He's reached out to them. Uh, He's been an elder in the church since the 80s uh, when he was very young. But he wouldn't be ashamed to say at all that it's clear that I'm having a lot more influence in my life than he had in his. He wouldn't be ashamed of that at all. In fact, he's so proud of that. And he told me when I was young, he said, my prayer for you, son, is that you will receive a double anointing. Of the Spirit upon my life. I pray that you would receive a double anointing. My dad is a true father of generational blessings. He's a true example of the way that we need to be uh, for those for those around us. So how did I receive these blessings? Was it just natural? I want to tell you guys one of the keys of receiving generational blessings is following the example of your father. Following the example of your father. Now I'm going to talk clearly about family first. My dad taught me how to tithe and give to missions. My dad demonstrated faithfulness in prayer and in the word. My dad demonstrated a heart of love and compassion for the broken and for the weak. I learned by his example how to obey in those ways, how to learn how to pray, how to learn how to read the word. My dad didn't do seminars with me. My dad didn't take me aside and, and try and you know, do all these lessons. He just lived his life the way he did. I saw it and I followed his example. Guys, I mean, any of you who tithe and give offerings and are faithful in integrity will be blessed. Okay, the blessings that I've gotten are not just for me. They're for all of us, church. They're for all of us. But I do want to say that for those of you who have not had faithful parents, I'm just going to be honest, it's, it's a bit harder. It's a bit harder to trust in God for those blessings. It's a bit harder to see God as a provider. You see, we tend to receive the revelation that God is our provider, our protector, and that God speaks identity in our lives as a father through our earthly father. There's a reason why scripture said, honor your father and your mother. That was, a ten, that was one of the Ten Commandments. Because you would live long in the land God has given you. You would receive generational blessings through that. But if you don't honor your parents, you don't receive that. What if your parents are, are dishonoring? What if your parents aren't there? What if they're not around? And church, I've had to counsel so many through healing deliverance ministry who have a lie over their lives that God will not provide, that God is a disciplinary. I know for so many Koreans, uh, their parents, if they ever got a B on the report card, the father would be like this. And uh, it was was harsh. And you'd feel like, I'm not good enough. I I haven't earned that love. And so a lie would be over so many Koreans that God only loves me if I'm performing. God only is going to give me this spiritual gift if I've done a good job, if I've gotten straight A's. And that's a lie. That is a lie. And church, there is such a need for us to forgive our fathers of their shortcomings. To forgive our fathers if they didn't provide for us. If they didn't give gifts to us, good gifts. If they didn't give us unconditional love. Because the true love of God in this word, it's clear if you read it. His love is unconditional. His love is always for you. I mean, did the prodigal earn the the sandals and, and the robe and the ring and the party? I mean, what did he do? The prodigal went off and took his father's inheritance and wasted on prostitutes and partying. And he came home, covered in pig grime. He didn't inherit the, the generational blessing. He inherited it because his father had unconditional love for him. His father loves him. And church, the father loves you as well. And while I have been privileged in certain ways as a result of my father and his example, church, you have the example of the true father in this word. And what we need to do is to forgive our earthly fathers and renounce the lies that they have put over our lives and ask God for the truth. You see, when we renounce, I just renounce the lie that God, the father won't provide for me. I renounce the lie that God, the father won't protect me. I renounce the lie that God, the father doesn't give good gifts freely. Father, show me the truth. When you do those things, you're, breaking off the grip of the enemy and you're allowing those revelations that i received growing up you're allowing those to come into you now and you can walk in just as great blessings as me as jacob as isaac church we need to forgive our fathers of their shortcomings and we need to renounce those lies i really want to encourage you church if you're not taking notes take notes now of this. You need to do this. This will bless you so much. The rest of this message that I'm preaching, you're only going to receive this much of it if you're carrying around those lies the rest of your life. But it's when you forgive your parents, when you renounce those lies, that's what opens you up. That's what enables you to receive. Guys, a number of you have a similar prophetic gifting as Roland and Heidi Baker's son. A number of you do, okay? But if I were to tell you that, You'd be like, oh, no, no. I mean, I, I don't have parents like Roland and Heidi Baker. Uh, you know, no, no. Maybe later in my life, after, you know, I've been really faithful and, and I've done a really good job, maybe I'll walk in some sort of prophetic gifting. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, be honest, church. That's how most of you guys would respond if I said you have that same blessing, that same gifting as Roland and Heidi Baker's son. You want to know why? It's because you haven't seen that example yet. It hasn't been given to you. You've had that covering and those lies over you that you've got to earn it, that you've got to make it some, somehow, and then you can get that gifting. Think about Roland and Heidi Baker's son. He grew up in a situation where he saw the blind healed, the deaf healed, the crippled walking. He saw the dead raised. He was in just an atmosphere of the supernatural, an atmosphere where faith was just all around him. It was natural for him to grow in that gifting. And that was part of his generational blessing. He saw the example of his father, of his mother, of the spiritual fathers and mothers around him. And he walked in it and it allowed him to walk in a strong gifting. But for us, if we don't follow the examples of our fathers and our mothers and the church and the house of God, we're so limited And so I want to tell you guys uh, that you are in a house, you are in a place that is good. You are in a place where you can receive these generational blessings. Uh, I know that I would not be the man I am today without Pastor Christian. I know I wouldn't be near the man I am today without Pastor Christian. Okay, he has been such a father to me. He has built me up so much and he has demonstrated boldness and the anointing to me that's raised up faith within me so that I can walk in that as well. And what I've seen over my five years here is that I've seen, first it was him, then it was a few core leaders walking in that anointing, then it was just more of the leaders, and now if you go on a mission trip, it's expected of each and every person, whether you're, you've been in the church for a long time or you're a newcomer, when you pray for people, people are going to get blasted by the Spirit. People are going to get healed. You're going to walk in words of knowledge. Why? Because you're in this family. The blessings of this house are on you. You are following the example of the Father. So I encourage you, church, honor Pastor Christian, honor the fathers in this house, and these blessings will be released into your life, and they'll be released into your family and into your community. Now, guys, I want you to look at Galatians 3. There are blessings that go beyond just our our house, our family, and beyond the church. Open up your Bibles to Galatians 3. We're going to read verses 7 through 9. Says this, Galatians chapter 3, verse 7 through 9. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Church, I want you to repeat after me I'm a son of Abraham. I have the blessings of Abraham. Abraham. Guys, this is key. I don't care if you grew up in just a horrible family situation, if you were a double orphaned, if you were abused, if if you were neglected, uh, if you are all alone. Guys, if you can get this, you'll be far blessed than almost every other person you know on earth. You are a son of Abraham. If you become a believer in Christ, you receive that identity in Christ as a son of Abraham, and every blessing that Abraham had is yours. Last year, I preached a message, Why Pray for Israel? And in it, I spoke about one of those generational blessings as a result of being a son of Abraham. And I want to challenge you, church. Listen to that word if you haven't listened to it yet. It is just crucial for us to be praying for the descendants of Abraham. And uh, in that message... I spoke about just how powerful those blessings of Abraham are and how they are for us as well. And I want to tell you, it wasn't just Isaac and Jacob that received the blessings of Abraham. Ishmael and Esau also received blessings. You see, Ishmael, even though he was rejected by God because he was of the line of Abraham, he still had 12 sons who became rulers over different nations. Esau, although he rejected his birthright, he treated his inheritance with contempt, it still couldn't escape him. He he became the father of the Edomites, and he had so many children as well, so many riches, that when Jacob came to bless him, Esau just laughed and said, I have more than enough. I'm so blessed. And I want to tell you, church, that if you're a son of Abraham, you should expect blessings over your life. And if you look at the Jewish people today, even though they don't believe in Jesus Christ, so many of them are prospering. So many Jewish uh, people have become leaders in different fields of science, uh, of technology. I mean, they are gifted. If you look at Hollywood directors, I mentioned this in, in my message last year. Almost all the, the top Hollywood directors are of Jewish descent. They are so blessed. And church, we have these same blessings. And we aren't, we aren't like the Jewish people today who, who don't believe in Jesus Christ. We have that faith in God. So we should receive not just the material blessings, a provision in our lives. We should also receive the spiritual blessings. Those same visitations that Isaac had and Jacob had, we should expect it as well. Because we are true sons of Abraham. We are believers in the Jesus Christ. So I want to tell you, church, the main ingredient for walking in the generational blessing, it's faith. It's faith. The main ingredient for walking in the generational blessing is faith. If we live in the flesh, we'll likely repeat the sins of our fathers and mothers. But if we live in the spirit and in faith, we will become aware of the blessings we never knew of before and we'll walk in them with confidence. We need to claim the identity in Christ that we are sons of Abraham. And I want to tell, especially those who have been punched for Pusan, you need to claim this identity. Because when God calls you into another land, He calls you with that same calling over Abraham. And He has the same blessings in store for you. He will provide for you. He will release a family for you. He will take care of you. He will give you favor with the people around you, favor with their family. He will guide you in all that you do. He will bless you if you will just have faith. If you will just walk in it. I'm mean, just how exciting is that to have the full blessing of abraham over your life And I want to tell you god is faithful if you're lacking faith now If you ask god for faith, he will give it to you A great example is gideon in the bible Gideon when when the angel spoke to him, he said I am the weakest of my family Which is the weakest of my clan, which is the weakest of israel I mean, You talk about poor identity in christ. I mean this guy was just he, he felt he was a loser but the angel still called him a mighty warrior. And the God showed him signs okay, to increase Gideon's faith. And every time Gideon faltered, he would ask God, God, build my faith, give me another sign. And God would do it. God was faithful. And it culminated when he went to the Midianite army, the, the enemy army. God said, go down to that army and listen. So Gideon went into their camp and overheard two Midianite soldiers talking about a weird dream that symbolized Gideon destroying the entire Midianite army. And that gave Gideon the faith to know who he was, gave him the faith to receive those blessings and to walk in that anointing and to become a mighty judge over Israel. So I want to tell you, church, you need to ask God for faith. You need to ask God, God, give me signs. If I'm really the, the son of Abraham, if I really have this, this identity, okay, this anointing, I want to see it. I want to feel it because church, we're not called to live in fear. We're not called to live in, in concern about money. We're not called to live in concern about our family. We're not called to to live in concern about our our homes or about our future. We're called to live in the same faith as Abraham. We're sons of Abraham. God will provide the family. He'll provide the the money. He'll provide the shelter. He'll provide all our needs according to his glorious riches. We just need the faith to walk in it. And if we walk in it, we have the greatest generational blessing that anyone could ask for. So I'm, I'm not done yet, but I want to briefly recap what I've shared so far. Okay, each of us have generational blessings from our family, from our church, and from Abraham. Okay, in order us to fully receive our blessings from our family and from the church, we need to follow the example of our fathers. And church, praise God that you're in this house, because if your father, your earthly father, was a poor example, you have wonderful examples in this house. You have people who will demonstrate not just the power of the Spirit, but also love, compassion, and discipline, which we sorely need. And then to to receive the the blessing of Abraham, we need faith. And we need to just ask God for that faith and claim that identity over ourselves. And I guarantee you, church, you're going to see God provide for you in ways you have never experienced before. No Christian should be living under debt. No Christian should be be a slave to money. All of us should be freed. All of us should have the blessings of Abraham where other people are coming to us. It said in Isaiah 61, it says, uh, you will receive the, oh shoot, what is it? Isaiah 61, verse 6. Go ahead and put it up. I'm sorry. I was flowing. I still am. There he is. Thank you. It says, Their offspring shall be known among the nations, their descendants in the midst of the peoples. It says in verse 6, You shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory you shall boast. There it is. You shall feast on the wealth of the nations, and in their riches you shall boast. So, church, when I think about North Korea... And I think about what's going to ha- go down there. And I think about, okay, if I'm going to take care of 10,000 kids, I'm going to need like $20,000 a day just to take care of their food and little things. Where am I going to get that money? I don't have any concern. Why? Because I'm a son of Abraham. Why? Because I will feast on the wealth of the nations. And in the riches, I will boast. Why? Because I expect Japan. I expect China. I expect South Korea to give me a lot of money to take care of these kids. I just expect it. Okay? I believe it. And I want to tell you, church, we need to walk in the same faith. That we don't need to worry about money. God commands us. Jesus commands us. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about money. Don't worry about your clothes. Don't worry about these things. You have a Heavenly Father who loves to give you good gifts. Just ask. Just seek. Just knock. You will receive. God will give to you. You are blessed. Church, you are blessed. And now uh, I want to bring the change in mindset that that just charismatic evangelist uh, gave to me at that conference. And I want to tell you guys that there is more to just receiving your generational blessing. There's far more. And and what the more is, is to become fathers and mothers of those who are blessed. And I I want to just tell you, church, that the truth is that true love is about receiving, is not about receiving, but is instead about giving away, that we're called to give. And I want to challenge you, church, to have children. I want to challenge you, church, to have four children or more. I want to challenge you, church, to get excited about this, okay? And if you're doubting this, I need you guys to re- re-listen to this message and, and just do, do another think about your identity in Christ. That if you're truly blessed, then the children you have, if you're in a godly marriage, it's a guarantee they're going to be blessed. It's a guarantee. And they're going to be far blessed than you ever were. Do you understand this? You guys need to have children. But it goes beyond from you guys you know, thinking about marriage and having children. It's becoming spiritual mothers and fathers. Like I said, true love is not about receiving. It's about giving away. And all those stories that I shared, you know, about different people coming to this church, so many of those same people that I talked about who who have had so much trauma, they're now the pastors of this church. They're now the spiritual mothers and fathers in this church. And recently, we've been getting different high school students and, and different young college students who have just ridiculous pasts. I mean, it's just sad that the abuse, the neglect, the rejection that they've gone through, the trauma that they've gone through. But when I look at them, I don't get depressed. Instead, I get excited because I know God has called them to this church. God has called them here to be healed, to be loved, to be delivered, to be fathered and to be mothered. And that these same people... So many of you, God is calling to be mothers and fathers of the orphans of North and South Korea, to reach out to the broken all around us. Because we're the ones, the ones who have gone through the trauma, those are the ones who will understand that heart the most. Okay, at my home, the best dorm parents for the kids were those who grew up in the home. Why? Because they know the heart. They understand. And God is able to make all things good for us, for those who believe in Christ Jesus. So even the trauma you've gone through, God is able to turn for your good. And he's calling each and every one of you to rise up as fathers and mothers of this orphan generation. Look back with me at Isaiah 61, verse 8 and 9. You guys are familiar with the first three verses of this chapter. Okay, it says, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. God is speaking to you, church. It says, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon you. Why? Why did God give you his Holy Spirit? To preach good news to the poor. To bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. And it goes on and on. God is speaking to us. He has given us his Spirit so that we can reach out to them. Now I want you to look at these promises in verse 8 and 9 of Isaiah 61. It says, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them the recompense. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring shall be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. Guys, what are all these generational blessings for? These everlasting covenants. Who are they for? It's for the brokenhearted. It's for the captive. It's for the prisoner. It's for the poor. It's for those that God is calling us to father and to mother. And I can guarantee you, church, that as you reach out to the broken, as you reach out to your small group, as you reach out to the homeless, the poor, the widow, the orphan, as you reach out to them, you will see blessings from God poured out on their lives like you've never seen before. You will see such favor bestowed upon them. Church, each of you are called to have a legacy far greater than Jonathan Edwards you're called to have a legacy far greater than even Abraham. Jesus says that you will do even greater things than I have done. And he calls that for our children as well. And I want to close with the dream that Andy shared during Sunday swim. And it's just a very clear dream applying to this message. And in that dream, Andy had a dream that he went into a restaurant and his mom was behind the counter And uh, his dad was serving, okay? He was sitting at a booth, but he was in a server's garb. He was in in a uh, waiter's garb. And Andy went over and sat down with him, okay? And and Andy was just like, what are you doing here? Because Andy's dad is is a a politician. His mom is also a wealthy businesswoman. They're very successful. Why are they in this restaurant? And you know how dreams are. Uh, His dad didn't really, you know, acknowledge that so much. And he said, the diamonds that we used to receive are mediocre, but the diamonds we're receiving now are so fine, so precious, they're so expensive. Okay, And he says, the diamonds now are so much greater. And he says, you know, I have my job Monday through Friday, but this is what I really enjoy doing. I enjoy serving here on Saturdays. And Andy woke up. And I'm going to tell you that they're symbol- symbolic. Symbolic of the generational fathers and mothers of generational blessings. The fathers and mothers of generational blessings. And while the diamonds in the past were mediocre, God is bringing out amazing diamonds in this next generation. Okay, And we are Andy's father and mother. That while we might have our own Monday through Friday job, God is calling us to be fathers and mothers throughout the week, especially in our free time, to reach out and to bring forth those precious diamonds. He's calling us to serve. What did Jesus do on the night before he was betrayed? He got down and he served his disciples. He washed their feet, he broke bread, and he gave it to his disciples. Just in Andy's dream, as his father was a waiter and was going to serve. That is the heart of a father. That is the heart of a father who releases such awesome generational blessings. And church, that is the heart that God is calling us to have. So I want to challenge you, church to stop thinking about what about me and I want my blessing and I want these things. Yes, you need to ask for faith. Yes, you need to claim your son of Abraham and you need to be looking to your family and to your church for mighty blessings. But there is such a greater blessing in pouring it out into the younger generation in reaching out to the broken and the hurting around us. Let me close this in prayer. God, we love you, Lord, and uh, we just thank you, God, for what you're doing in our lives. And we thank you, Lord, that in this year, God, as you're bringing us into greater intimacy, you're revealing callings, Lord, in this church. You are going to reveal, Lord God, mighty callings that we never knew of in this church, God. And, God, we thank you, Lord, that you are equipping us through the house of New Philadelphia Church, through this family, Lord, through the fathers of Pastor Christian and the other leaders of this church, God. You are raising us up as mighty men and women of God. And, God, I break off the lie that, Lord, we're still sons and daughters and will always be sons and daughters. I break off that lie, and I declare that there are mighty fathers and mothers in this house. Hallelujah, God, who will be mothers and fathers of amazing generations, God, of amazing generational blessings of both the children of their womb, Lord God, and also of the orphans around them, Lord, of this hurting generation. And so I pray for this house, God, and I pray that our focus may go from inward to outward. God, I pray that we may walk in confidence, Lord, as sons and daughters of Abraham, God, that you will provide our every need, that you will bless us beyond just, Lord God, the daily needs, God, that you will build us up, Lord, and that you release such a mighty inheritance through us, God. You are good, Lord. You are faithful in our lives, God. And we bless your name. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.